Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Tom Swip, CEO of Swip Systems. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Go Brand Go, The Tom James Company, and Enterprise Bank and Trust. And now to this week's episode with Tom Swip. Tom Swip, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We've known each other quite a long time. You mentored me there for a little while back in the day and uh, always a lot of respect for you and your business. So I'm excited to kind of share what Swip Systems does here in St. Louis with my audience. And so let's kind of dive in there. Talk to me about growing up. What led you to start Swip Systems? Yeah, cool. I appreciate it. And uh, have the same mutual respect for you as well, Brian. It's really uh, been awesome to see you excel in business and life and everything. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess from uh, a pretty young age, I always knew I was going to be an engineer. So I remember like in our, our grade school, we didn't have fans in our grade school. So I would take apart my model airplanes, take the motors out of them, strap them to batteries, put a little propeller on them and uh, actually sell these little fans, you know, to kids, you know, for a quarter or something like that, you know, to kind of stay cool during the, the day. They got a, officially got banned by the school, couldn't have them anymore, but was always building something, you know, from there moved to working at my uncle's Western Auto at, uh, working on bicycles. So they would bring bicycles in. I think I was probably 12 years old at that point in time. And then kind of graduated to cars and boats and other larger mechanical things, you know, working on refurbing, uh, taking them out and enjoying them as well. So just kind of always knew that uh, I was an engineer. And even later in life, I really get the most gratitude in life out of building something and seeing the accomplishments of what I can build. So that's kind of what led to UP, uh, to, uh, sorry, SWIP Systems. Uh, I slipped and said UPS there. That's where I actually cut my teeth um, in college and out of college. So I was an industrial engineer for them. And we took care of uh, driver's time studies, building studies, first tablets that we put in driver's hands in the mid 90s when they weren't tablets weren't even a word uh, and working on the first nationwide barcoding systems, first nationwide wireless systems, you know, just getting all that stuff implemented. So um, just carrying that industrial engineering or engineering into industrial engineering and then into one of those bigger companies. And then uh, mid 90s, they offered a buyout. So I took a, a buyout from United Parcel Service, actually retired at the age of 27 from UPS. And that gave me just enough money to buy what was back then a $5,000 brick of a laptop with about a six inch screen on it and start taking what I learned at UPS down to the middle market. So that's kind of where it all originated. 
Awesome. That's really kind of a cool story. Tell those who don't know, I obviously I do, but tell those who don't know what is SWIP, SWIP, SWIP systems and what do you guys do for clients? Yeah, cool. I really appreciate it. Well, back in the day, we used to do everything. So we used to do, we used to hang the wireless, install the servers, router switches, firewalls, uh, put PCs in, train on back then, you know, older Windows 95, Windows 2000, whatever it was. And then on top of that, we would build their core uh, computer systems as well as their databases and infrastructure. And over time, as we saw more people move into the managed service provider network, those kind of networking companies that take over, you know, for a monthly revenue, we decided to move out of that. And now we frame it as build, buy, or both. So build is we build software from scratch. Buy is we help companies select larger systems like ERP systems off the shelf. And then both is a little bit of both. So we're integrating off the shelf and custom systems or tying APIs, you know, whatever the case may be, we're just working through and getting everything connected. Um, on the on the build side, that's what the it's the core of what we really do. We're either building mobile apps or web apps, and it's either a mobile app that somebody's taking to the store, uh, you know, either the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, uh, because it's going to be the core piece of their business, or at least one of the pieces of the core of their business, or it's a mobile app that a company is going to use internally to run their operations better. And then on the on the website, it's the same kind of thing. We'll be we'll build um, software as a service, SaaS applications that people will take to the cloud as their core business and resell those applications to their clients or their web applications that they're going to use internal to connect deeper with their vendors or their customers or their internal staff. And in some cases, those systems run the entire organization. Wow. So this would be kind of a fun question to ask you, but if you look back at you know last ten years, what's the coolest app or coolest software you guys have helped develop? Boy, that one I might have to take a second to think about. We, we've built so many cool things. Um, we've built uh, 3D mapping applications for um, seeds that are planted into the ground, you know, so they collected 3,500 pieces of data on every seed that went into the ground. They needed a, three, a 3D way to visualize that. Um, we've built uh, the American Pool Players Association Guinness Book of World Records, world's largest pool tournament application. So if you can picture um, twice a year pre-COVID, uh, two football fields covered in pool tables with folks walking around with a Budweiser and a, a pool stick for two weeks. That was it. So I would say that that was probably uh, the coolest one from the sense of we worked with the company forever. We saw them come up through the technology. We got to go out to um, support the events, you know, which were a week or two weeks out in Vegas. And then it ran their whole international franchise. So that oh, was that's probably- cool. Yeah, one of the, the the bigger things that we've accomplished in life, but lots of cool little things like rail yard switching applications, helicopter maintenance applications, medical records collection systems, just everything. But yeah, I would probably put that one close to the top, if not the top. Yeah, I'm sure in your world, you got you've got some opportunities to meet some really exciting companies and develop some really cool software um, for organizations. I think that'd be that's kind of kind of neat. Um, let's kind of start, ask about uh, the beginning of kind of when you got the business running and off the ground. If you can think back to when that was, um, what are maybe some of the challenges in the beginnings that you had to overcome as a small business? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, so back when we started this in 1995, there were nowhere near the number of resources that are available today. So we went up to Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville, and we went to the SBA office, which was this little um, home that you know used to be a little one-story brick home. And I'll never forget it had this bright green pond next to it, you know, because of all the algae and everything in it. It's just a vivid picture. And we went in there for three hours one day, and then they, at the end of three hours, they said, "Okay, that's everything you need to run your business." 
business, go off and do it. <laughs> so, um, you know, we kind of looked at each other and went, okay, here we go. Uh, my, and I should mention we, when I say my wife is my business partner of 26 years. So business partner of 26 years, uh, married 28 years and together 33 years. So a true life partner when it, when you come to uh, that term. So um, one of the biggest challenges was no resources. You know, we had to kind of figure it all out on our own. You know, when we were coding, if you didn't know the answer, you would drive to Barnes and Noble and you would pick up a book and you hope that your solution was in the book. You know, back then it was Gopher was the internet. So we learned how to use Gopher before the internet came about. And we learned how to dig and find the information that we needed through Gopher. Um, but then, you know, beyond that, working in the business, you know, we we were both engineers, so we were the only two in the business for a while until we started hiring people and bringing them on. But um, working in the business rather than on the business was a challenge. Sure. And then um, finding good people and hiring the wrong people, you know, that's always, it's still a challenge, but not as much as it was because there's so many more tools, but just finding the right people. And then um, after uh, a few years, probably eight or so years in business, we realized that we were always reliant on like three, we called them the big three, jokingly. Um, the big three clients. And if any one of them went away, we'd have to go find another one of the legs for the stool. So we got away from that at a certain point in time. Now we're on a 30-legged stool at any point in time rather than a three-legged stool. So just some of the challenges, growing pains of the business. Absolutely. Well, every every business has those challenges. And you know, some of those aren't, aren't that unique, right? Like not having the resources in, back in 1995 that are available today, but in talent, talent's always a challenge, whether it's you've been in business for 20 years or you've been in business for two years. I mean, if you look at the labor market right now and you're a restaurant, um, talk about a challenge. Um, there's restaurants all over the St. Louis area right now that are literally struggling with that exact Exact challenge. So, but it's interesting to hear kind of some of those challenges you guys had and how you can overcome them um, when you guys got started. One thing that I always have found unique about you was even being a business owner and a CEO, you've always taken time to network. And so, talk to me about networking and how you utilize networking to not only help grow the business, but kind of keeping your name and company out there. Yeah, and no, I really appreciate that. And, you know, just for the, the listeners, that's how Brian and I met was through networking. So um, I see it very, very as a very, very critical part of any services based business. So that's what we are. We're a service business and we are a relationship based business. So people don't normally just pick you out on the web and say, OK, I'm going to do business with you. You know, they go to their accountant, their lawyer, you know, whatever professional service group they might have. And they ask, hey, do you know anybody who builds really good software? So what we try to do is get out there and, and meet and work or network with as many of those people as we possibly can. There was a point in time, probably about eight or nine years ago, where I would I would try to meet about 300 new people a year. So sit down and have a coffee these days, you know, maybe it's a Zoom or a lunch or something along those lines. Um, but that's how we build our business. And if you notice with any of the other professional services companies, even if you're a lawyer or an accountant, you're also out there trying to sell your own book of business, you know, to bring it into the firm. So they also rely on those same things. So, you know, getting out there and meeting people is incredibly important. But then I think more important than that is having a strategy at it. And our strategy has always been, we're going to go out and we're going to try to help people. And with call it karma, call it God, whatever you want, that always comes back and it always comes around, you know, to help you out some, some way in the future. Future that you don't even anticipate at the time at that point in time. So you've probably heard of the book or the term go giver being a go giver, you know, go out there and give and don't expect to get anything in return. And what happens is, you know, somehow the universe takes care of you because of all the good things that you're doing. So not only getting out there and meeting lots of people, um, helping them through their struggles. So that means going to the conversation, not with what am I going to get out of this, but what can I help this individual do? 
Uh, I remember waking up one morning and thinking, oh gosh, I don't know if anything's going to come out of this meeting. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, that's the wrong attitude. I'm going to go out there and give. And I, I went out and helped uh, the lady that I met with several of her own problems. And at the end of the conversation, she said, hey, I'm going to take your information back to my CTO and I'm going to see if, um, you know, we can, uh, if they need any help. And sure enough, you know, three, four months later, whatever the case was, we engaged with them and we helped them out. So, you know, woke up with the wrong attitude that morning, switched it around really quickly, went out there to help. And sure enough, it, it came back and, you know, helped us out uh, in, in, in return. So not that we're expecting that, but just um, more importantly, going out and trying to help other people uh, get through what they're, they're struggling with in life. And the challenge there is everybody is struggling with something, you know, yeah. we all have this imposter syndrome where we go out and we act like these, you know, rich or talented or stable or whatever people, but we've all got our own demons that we fight every day in our heads and our families and everything. So helping those people through those deeper connections and getting to know them as individuals. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love about that as in, in the networking piece is what you just mentioned, the go-giver attitude. Um, you know, I got my start in networking and I, I give Jim Canada, if you, anybody listening to Snowship Canada, he, he's the one who taught me how to network. Um, you know, he really kind of taught me that that way, the attitude to have. And there'd be times that, I, you know, even me in the position that I'm in wouldn't necessarily think the meeting I was about to have was going to be worthwhile for me or is going to pay off. Um, and you're right. That's the wrong attitude to have in any meeting because you just never know. And if you go into that meeting with the attitude, I'm going to help this person and forget about whether they can help me or, or not. Um, even if it doesn't pay off, then at least you help somebody today, right? At least you are, you are doing what you're supposed to do and try to be a better person and, and give back to your community. And so I love that even as a CEO and uh, an owner of an organization since 1995, you still know that. Um, and I think that pays tribute to the leadership that you have inside your organization and the success that you guys have had. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Brian. It's all about going out there and helping other people. You know, if you go out there and just help yourself and build your own empire and buy your own things and everything, there's not there's not happiness in that. Right. The happiness comes from going out and seeing the impact that you can make on someone else's life and seeing how you can launch their career, or put them on a better trajectory than they were on before they met you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit EnterpriseBank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit and talk about leadership. Um, obviously, the last... I was just talking to somebody a minute ago about this, but the last couple of years have been challenging from a business standpoint and leadership standpoint. And you and I just talked about it just briefly before we jumped on here today about business. Talk to me about how COVID has impacted your organization over the last almost two years now um, and how your leadership has, um, has guided you through that. Yeah, it's a, a tough question going on through the business community, isn't it? So um, in a nutshell, COVID has just really um, caused us to be flat. So Last March 23rd, I remember, you know, hearing about this shelter in place thing. And we're like, what the heck does shelter in place mean? You know, we looked it up. We listened to um, I'm in Illinois. So we listened to the governor here talk about, you know, how he wanted everyone to stay home and shelter from the virus. And, you know, our immediate thought is, dear God, how do how our business is going to survive? How's the economy going to survive? Um, we we quickly found out that we were a necessary business, so we were able to go in still to the office. So there was a core team of us, four of us that came into the office every day. 
uh, it was like a ghost town. They had shut down 255 around us for construction. There was no one on the highway um, because of the construction and because of the virus. It was just a very strange time. And we went virtual um, that that Monday, uh, I think it was um, March 23rd of 2020. And um, we kind of never looked back. It was kind of interesting. We had been virtual for quite some time because we had remote access to everything. So for decades, literally, we had been remoting into our clients, remoting into our own office and things like that. We just opened it up to a little bit wider group. We came in that Monday morning, we thought we were going to have a whole bunch of business uh, problems to fight, and it was just crickets. Our team just nailed it. They went to work remote. They did what they needed to do to take care of the clients and keep everything moving forward, and they just cruised on through the whole thing. So we had a couple of clients that scaled back a little bit, you know, uh, service companies, you know, that were uh, not able to get out and meet as many people or concerned about, you know, spending budget or anything at that point in time. Couple of them scaled back, but most of them didn't. They just kept moving right along. We even actually landed a couple large projects during that same time period. Uh, we got PPP funds that helped us kind of um, shore up some of our systems internally. We built an estimating system, you know, which also kept our our folks even better. Um, so we captured all of our market differentiators into our own estimating system, and we put that whole thing together. Uh, and then we just kind of cranked on through the year. We offered deferred payments to people. So if you can't pay us now, pay us in quarter three, quarter four of 2020. Um, the the sound, I won't say look, because Zoom hadn't really taken grip yet, but the sound on the other end of the phone was like, are you kidding me? You're going you're gonna to allow me to do that? So PPP did allow us to do that. We were able to pay the people off of PPP and get the, uh, you know, uh, the, extend the payment terms to our clients, which they significantly appreciated because some of them that were struggling still had an opportunity to move their systems forward without worrying sure. about capital expenditure. So um, all in all, it just, it's been flat for a couple of years, which we're calling a, a huge win. You know, um, we still are engaged with all the same clients and still working with the same staff. And we're just really happy that it, it didn't, it wasn't detrimental to us. I, I've got a buddy who's in the ticket uh, industry and uh, like overnight, his business was gone. I've got another buddy that's in the marketing industry and overnight his business, you know, went through the roof because more people were marketing, but we just have been running steady and flat and solid. And that makes us all very happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and like you just mentioned there, it's, it's interesting how it's impacted businesses in such different ways, right? Um, some people, some businesses, you know, for my business last year, we were flat. This year, we've been through the roof. Um, other businesses, restaurants, you know, obviously they were greatly impacted last year and even still some this year, depending on what state you live on, Illinois, Missouri, based off the regulations and the laws and what's allowed, what's not allowed. Um, but as I look back on the last two years, and I've obviously had many people on this podcast from all walks of life, the one thing I've you know, that's been consistent about it is just continuing to try to do your best and grind and use the resources that you have and at your fingertips to get you through it. Whether that was PPP loans, whether that was, uh, you know, uh, trying to figure out new ways to bring on new clients and shift your market or, or whatever that case may be is. It's, it just seems like, you know, a lot of companies had to, to shift uh, in different ways. Um, and so it's, it's, it was, a, it's been a challenging time. And I feel for those businesses who, you know, some have closed their doors um, and some have, have fought through it. Um, and then there's, you know, businesses who have like yours that I would say, yeah, that's a big win is to be able to stay flat and not have to lay people off and, and, and deal with that kind of turmoil. So uh, hats off to you guys. And I would attribute some of that to your leadership, obviously, on being able to position the company beforehand to be in a position where you were able to do that. Talk to me about your view on leadership and how you currently lead your group of employees. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're all we're all about servant leadership and leadership by example. So, you know, I'm not going to go out and say one thing and go do the other. So, you know, we'll roll up our sleeves when we need to alongside everybody else and do what we need to do. So um, from a leadership standpoint, we're, we're, we really hire people that are very capable and autonomous uh, um, with everything that they do. So they're able to you're able to give them um, I'll call it a minimal set of instructions, although it's very detailed at times, <laughs> but you're able to give them a set of instructions and off they go. You know, and then they'll check in with you when they need and they'll 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 do what they need to do so most importantly you know we're servant leaders so we uh you know we're taking care of our people we know that that's our role in life back to being a go-giver it's our job to take care of the people that we work with um second um just making sure that we hire autonomous people and then um third um we really want to go in and hire people that share our beliefs and our our uh, traditions and our values and things like that so you know you can you can tell when there's one one ad one odd man out in a given group you know so what we're trying to do is avoid that one odd man out and hire people more to our, our values and our beliefs and our culture and making sure that we're bringing people in uh and what we found is that if you lead by example, you're a servant leadership, you hire people with your values and beliefs, the whole company just starts to hum, you know, and it yeah. really is a well-oiled machine moving right along. And what you find as oddly as it may seem is you don't need a ton of leadership because you've got the right people on the right seats, on the right bus, and they can really just go and crank and do what they do. Here at Swift, we're a bunch of geeks. You know, we really are. I think all but one person here on the sales side is not a technologist, or they are technologists rather. There's one person that's not. So um, we just love to write code. We love to work on systems. We love to build things. So if you can get all those things in alignment, then you can just allow the people to do what they love to do. Absolutely. Well, you touched on company culture there in that answer. And um, I would say, assume by some of those uh, answers you had there in that question, that company culture is extremely important to the organization, and you've defined what your company culture is. And you mentioned Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, there, when you mentioned having the right people in the right seats and on the right bus, yep. that all ties hand in hand, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the culture is the most important thing. I was just talking with somebody earlier today about, um, you know, the, the saying that culture eats strategy for lunch. And I think what you're finding out in today's market is that's exactly it. You know, if people didn't like the company, then they're not going to they're not going to stick through it with all the other stresses and everything going on with COVID. So, you know, they're they're going to find a company where they find a better, better fit. And um, we found that, um, you know, it doesn't take a ton to generate culture. Number one, talk to people, you know, talk to them very openly and honestly, you know, don't give them the corporate runaround or whatever the case is, but find out what's going on in their head. We've had deep, deep conversations with the folks here about, hey, how are you doing through this? You know, what's going on in your head? How's your family doing? How are your finances doing? What are your fears? You know, what can we help you with? So having deep conversations with people. And then, um, you know, pre-COVID, we were all about lunches and happy hours. And actually, we just had a happy hour uh, this last week to celebrate one of our, our main guys' 20th anniversary with us. Uh, and, you know, just getting people away from the norm and um, getting them out of their normal stride and getting everybody together where you can laugh and joke around and poke fun at each other and have some fun. That's huge. Um, we're really big on celebrating wins. So in our Monday meetings, we go around and we say, okay, what's I want to, what I say is I want to either hear from one of you about a win you have, or I'd like you to share about a win somebody else has had in the group. And we uh, cause people to kind of reflect back on their successes in life. And we actually start those same meetings with what are you grateful for? So we go around the room and 
we say, tell us a little bit about your weekend and tell us what you're grateful for. And the things that people come up with, you know, are amazing. Um, I'm grateful for my time with my kids. I'm grateful for the fact that you're leading us through this and haven't laid anybody off in the company. I'm grateful for the happy hour we got to have, you know, the other day and get together and break stride. So it's really interesting. The deeper you go, the more connected that you are with them and the more the culture kind of builds itself because they know that you're not, you're not, uh, they're not here just for a job. Exactly. They're here because you like them and you, um, you, you genuinely care about their souls. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and to that, it just makes you think of, you know, treat, treat those people like you would want to be treated yourself. I think the best way to create a company culture is to do exactly that. And then to go deeper and make sure and ask those questions. How are things at home? How, what are your, what are you, how, you know, how are you dealing with COVID? You, I mean, my wife is a teacher. Uh, you want to talk about an industry other than nurses and first responders that's been affected by COVID. Uh, I mean, the way my wife had to teach last year was unbelievable to unbelievable to me having to teach 25 first graders virtually over a computer. You know, she didn't know what she was doing, but she figured it out. Um, and that affected our family. And, you know, and my company asked, how's things going at home? How about the parents who have had to jockey around staying at home right now uh, with their kids during this whole thing, but also uh, work from home as well. I mean, there's been challenges for parents at home as well. And so, but knowing that as a, as a corporation and an organization and understanding that and working with those employees, that helps define what that culture is. And those are the employees that are going to understand that you truly care about them as a person, let alone the job that they're doing. And then they're going to remember that when, when the times probably needed the most. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, the, our people here are not just employees and we've never used that term. We've used associates, colleagues, things along those lines, but they're also really good friends. You know, you can, um, you can work hard together and play hard together and that's just perfectly fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have there been any books that you've read along your career that have impacted kind of the way you, you know, view your organization? I know we talked about Jim Collins book, but if there's been any ones that you would say that have stuck out with you that have really helped define kind of the way you lead the organization, the success you guys have had? Yeah, for sure. So uh, if we go way back, there was a book called Solution Selling that was really impactful to me. And what it talked about was uh, just that. How do you go in and sell a solution rather than a widget or a product or something? So um, back to our approach, you know, of helping people. It's not about going in there and selling my product or, hey, I've got a hammer. I'm looking for a nail. It's more about um, you're actually coming to solve their problems for them. So it's an older book, but still a good read solution selling um, was a really good one. And then if we if we fast forward here um, a few years, uh, I'm, I'm working my way through a book called Tools of Titans. And it's a it's a good probably two and a half inch thick book. So it's a pretty, pretty yeah. big read. Um, but what it is, is it's. Uh, the, the titans are the leaders of industry. And it's it's kind of like this podcast, Brian, where they're going out and they're asking, okay, what is it that you can share into this book that we could share with other entrepreneurs that would allow you to um, express what has made you successful? So same okay. kind of thing. And it's, it's a chap, one chapter is a, an individual. So you can take it in bite-sized chunks and read about a given individual. Um, there's another one uh, by Darren Hardy called The Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster. Uh, if you haven't read that one, uh, it'll kind of explain the ups and downs of your life and what's going on, um, you know, inside of the business and why it's why it is a roller coaster. And it is absolutely a roller coaster, as is life. And then the last one I've got on audio right now is the hard thing about hard things. So it's also a really good story about Netscape and, you know, how um, that whole industry changed and how they formed it and then it collapsed and everything. But just a really good book as well. 
No, I appreciate you sharing those because I think, it, you know, one thing I've learned from this podcast is you got to continue to educate yourself and continue to learn and, and, and try to find out uh, new ways to do things. Um, if you stop trying to educate yourself, you know, you just become flat. And so talking about those books and those options out there for people to read, I think are, are a very important piece of, of growing your mindset around leadership. I, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. So if you could leave us with one piece of advice today, whether that's on business, entrepreneurship, or just life in general, what would you leave us with? Well, real quick on that previous point, also besides the books, get into business groups and get out there to the point where you can hear other people and other business owners um, and learn from them. So um, the, the best piece of advice I can give is it's it kind of follows along that work hard, play hard um, that we talked about earlier. So you have got to keep, if you want to be really successful, you've got to just keep grinding it out. And you know this. And as long as you keep grinding it out, everything will turn out just fine. Most people don't. Most people won't grind it out on a continual basis. They'll quit. Uh, Muhammad Ali said once, he said, I hated every, every one of my morning workouts in the gym, but I love being world champion. And that's what it's about. You got to go do those workouts in the gym, even when you don't feel like it, even when it's late at night or early in the morning, or you've got an unhappy client, you got to just keep grinding it out. And then on the play hard, know when to get out, know when to get away, know when to take a break so that you can uh, refresh and rejuvenate and spend time with family and friends. And um, what, you'll, what you'll find is you come back with a much larger perspective. So grind it out and know when to take a break. I appreciate that, Tom. On behalf of the STL Leaders Podcast and myself, I appreciate you being a fantastic STL leader here in the St. Louis community. Uh, I think it's great what you and SWIP Systems do us for our community. And thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us today. Yeah, and same to you, Brian. Thanks for hosting this podcast and for everything that you do for everyone around you. Thank you.